Next few weeks, I want to talk about a particular thing that we are all extremely familiar with. All right? I want to talk about faith. We want to have a bit of a look at faith and different aspects of faith. So for the next probably two, three, four weeks, we're going to dance around this subject of faith. Now, I know when I say that word to you, everybody already has a picture of what faith means. For some of us, it's a great thing. It's a liberating thing. It's, it's a going forward thing. Some of us, when we hear the word faith, we sit down and we go, oh, no. Go to church and you hear about faith. Next thing you know, I'm being told I can have 10 cars and 15 houses and, and all this sort of stuff and, and it's all about me and so on. I want you to put aside any preconceived thoughts that you have and I just want you to come on a bit of a journey together as we look at faith uh, in the Bible, as we talk about this issue of faith. I will just preface by saying I don't believe that faith is a way by which we can manipulate God. Faith is not a tool that's at our disposal that if we just wave it in God's face, it will make God do things. Faith is not a way to manipulate God. Okay, We need to understand that. Nowhere in the Bible... Let me tell you something about God. God is an extremely, extremely comfortable being within himself. Is that right? God is not trying to get our approval. He's very, very secure as a being. Okay, He's not up there going... Oh, all insecure because, oh, no, the world doesn't believe in me. They don't like me. What's wrong with me? There's something wrong. God is a very, very secure being. He cannot be manipulated by human beings. He cannot be controlled by human beings. Faith is not a way to control God. Well, I'm just going to throw 50 scriptures at you, God, and I'm going to remind you and tell you, and you've got to honour your word. Faith is not a means by which we control God. Okay? So we need to understand that right up front. You won't find that in the Bible. But we do know from reading the New Testament that faith is a very important thing. It's a very important substance in terms of our Christian experience and our Christian life. Hebrews uh, tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because first of all, we've got to believe that he is. And secondly, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we wouldn't be in a relationship with God if we didn't already have some sort of faith in God. Amen, is that right? It's faith is the doorway by grace that we are saved. So we already have faith. So, so there's a bit of a, a, a premise here as we go forward. We all have faith. We already have an essence and an element of faith within us. But we know from reading the Bible that there must be more to that faith. There must be places that we can go with faith and places that we stay away from with faith. Faith achieves things. We see that in the Bible. And as much as, as what there's all kinds of teaching out there about faith and what faith is and how faith operates and how we get faith and so on, the, the, the Christian marketplace is full of stuff on faith. Books on faith, video series on faith, tape series on faith, seminars on everything. Faith, 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 faith. And, and you, can, you can sometimes read two books and think these guys are, are both talking about a completely different religion because this one's saying faith is this, this one's saying faith is that. It's always important that no matter what the thing is that we're reading about or learning about, we've always got to come back to this. We've always got to come back to this. All right? um, I, I was... Uh, Got a few friends of mine that, that I've, I've had conversations with recently and bumped into. And, and, and uh, we knew a, a guy up in uh, uh, Bundaberg when we used to live up there. 
uh, wonderful guy. Him and his, his family, his wife and kids, they were in church and they loved God and so on. Cut a long story short, he decided that he was going to no longer attend church. He was going to stay at home and just watch the, the, the TV programs and that would be his church. Cut himself off from fellowship. Uh, within two years, was in a psych ward because he was having visions of Paul the Apostle appearing to him, telling him, this is what you should be doing. This is and he was walking around town to pastors and people and telling them things that the Apostle Paul was telling to him. He isolated himself. He got away from what was in this book and allowed revelations and teachings and things that really didn't have a basis or a foundation in here. So it's important that no matter what you're hearing, no matter what we're talking about, whether I'm saying it, anybody's saying it, that we go back to this and we go, radio. it's good that you've said that. It's great teaching, but I want to make sure that you're staying within the boundaries of what this book is teaching. This is our safeguard, okay? We don't want to get outside the bounds of that. And unfortunately, when it comes to faith, there's a lot of stuff out there where we can pick and choose. You know you can make the Bible say anything you want. And that's the truth. Is that right? You can actually get this book to support any decision you want to make. Somewhere in there will be something that you can take and twist and turn and make it sound like you can basically get away with and do whatever it is that you want to do. And people do it. And when they get a bit of a following and people behind them, we generally call that a cult. And it strays from the boundaries of the word of God and the spirit of this book. So we want to stay within that. So I just preface all that by saying, as we look at faith, make sure that everything we're talking about, we're hearing, has a foundation here. Because faith is a really, really important topic. There's all kinds of faith stuff out there outside of the realm of Christianity. There are faith healers and faith this and faith that and all kinds of things that are operating and moving by faith. But the basis and the foundation of a lot of this faith is not focused on the cross. Our faith is grounded and rooted in the cross. It's grounded and rooted in Jesus. It's grounded and rooted in the character and the nature of God. That's where our faith is rooted in. And if we keep that central to any discussion of faith, if we keep the character of God at the very centre of any faith discussion, we'll be doing pretty good. Okay? So Mark chapter 9. We all know this story, I'm sure. Jesus goes up onto the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James and John. And he has this amazing vision of, 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 of uh, I think Moses and Elijah, Isaiah. Anyway, he spends the whole night up there and he comes down to the mountain, the bottom of the mountain. When he gets down there, he sees an interesting scene. The scribes are arguing with his disciples. Now, there's only nine disciples there because three of them are up there on the mountain with Jesus. So basically, Jesus is up there and so is his leadership team. We all know from reading the scriptures that Peter, James and John held a position in Jesus' inner circle that was a little bit tighter than the rest of them. Peter, James and John seem to be there in the, in, in, at, at, at crucial moments in Jesus' life when you read the Gospels. It's just human nature. You know, we have people that we have acquaintances and many, many people out there that get a bit of our world. But then we have a group of people that are a little bit tighter and they see a bit more of us. And then there might be one or two that are really tighter than that that see a bit more of you. But then for many of us, there's that one person that sees what nobody else gets to see. And that all comes out of relationship. And Jesus operated exactly the same. He was human. So he had his 12, but he had his three. He even had one. There was one person there that all the disciples knew. If you ask Jesus, Jesus is sitting here telling us that he's going to to be betrayed by somebody at the Last Supper and they lean over to John and go, John, you ask Jesus who it is because he'll tell you. He'll tell you. Even the disciples realised the place that John held in Jesus' heart. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looks at John and he goes... 
I want you to take care of my mother. Mum, I want you to. So there are all these levels of relationship that he had. So in this situation, Jesus is up there on the mountain with his leadership team. And the rest of the disciples are down here. And the scribes seize the moment. Here's our opportunity. The scribes did not like Jesus. They did not like what he taught. They were pivotal in getting him to the cross. Them and the Pharisees basically ganged up. And they got Jesus to the cross. And they see this opportunity. And they go over and they start arguing with his disciples. They start arguing with his disciples. And we pick it up, Mark chapter 9, and verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. <laughs> and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I bought my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the child to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed the child and he fell to the ground, wallowed and foamed at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus has a fantastic capacity to connect with people. You know? I love that. The fact that Jesus would even ask the question. He knows it's a spirit. He knows it. And you know, he even knows how long it's been going on. But he still wants to engage with the man. Talk to me. Tell me about your pain. As a father. As a father. How long has this been going on for? What's the impact it's been having on you? Tell me. Talk to me. And Jesus has this conversation with him. And the father says, from childhood, and often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. And we know how the story unfolds, that Jesus cast out this mute spirit and the boy was healed and so on. The Bible's silent on what the, the scribes were disputing. What were they arguing? The Bible doesn't tell us what they were talking about, but I think based on who the scribes were, who the disciples were, and who Jesus was, we can make a pretty good assumption that the scribes would have seen this as a fantastic opportunity to undermine Jesus. Here's the nine disciples standing there. A man has walked up and said, cast this demon out. They've obviously tried and nothing has happened. And the scribes have rubbed their hands together and gone, here's our opportunity. Jesus is not here the leadership team's not here. Let's undermine Jesus' authority. Let's undermine God and let's get in the ear of these people and let's blame Jesus. You can't trust Jesus. Look at this. He's been, you've been hanging around him how long and he's taught you this and he, he told you you'd be able to do this and you can't do it. God's a liar. God's a liar. You can't trust God. And the scribes go straight for the authority of God. They undermine the ministry of Jesus Christ. And they're trying to pull these people away. They're trying to say you can't trust God. They're trying to say this situation here, ultimately it's God's fault. Because if, if, if Jesus was right and what he said was right, then this man would bring the child and you could pray for him. He'd be set free. Everything would be good. It means it starts with God and ends with good. But you can't do it because it's not true. This stuff's not true. It's a lie. It's all God's fault. Then when Jesus comes down, 
The father. Jesus walks up to actually the scribes and, and says to the scribes, can you tell me what's going on? The father butts in. He goes, I'll tell you what's going on. I brought my child here as a mute spirit and I brought him to your disciples to cast it out and they couldn't do it. The scribes are sitting there blaming God for all this. The father's blaming the disciples. I brought, it, brought the child to them and they can't do it. They can't do it. The scribes are blaming God. The father's blaming the church. Blaming the people, blaming the Christians. That's your fault. Why can't you do this? Why can't you send for it? Jesus does a really interesting thing. By the end of the conversation, what has Jesus done? He's actually flipped the whole thing around and put responsibility back on the Father. If you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, let's sit there blaming God. Don't sit there blaming the church, blaming the people praying for you, blaming everyone. Have a bit of a look at yourself. Examine your own heart. Do you believe? Do you have faith? And Jesus doesn't do it in a condemning way. We know that because the end result is beautiful. It's it's a man's heart opens up to the compassion of Jesus. So this is not a condemning thing. And like I said at the start, quite often when we hear faith, we have this real condemning uh, thing that goes with faith. And preachers get up and they say, if you will only believe, all things are possible to them that believe and so on. Yeah, but you know what? It's just not that black and white. There are other factors involved as well. And I think it's condemning and cruel to go up to somebody and say, the reason that you're not healed is because you don't believe. I'll tell you what I did several years ago. I used to teach on evangelism and travel around a bit. And and one of the topics in evangelism was signs and wonders in evangelism, the power of God and healings and miracles. And when you go through the New Testament, and I did this, and I haven't got the exact figures with me now in in, in my head, but when you go through and you look at all the New Testament healing passages, did you know that on many occasions the healing is attributed to the faith of the individual? Did you also know on many occasions the healing is attributed to the faith of the person praying? There were times where the person had no faith, but the person praying just grabbed them and said, get up. And so the faith was the person praying. There are other times where it was the faith of a third party. These guys rip a hole in the roof and lower their paralyzed mate down and Jesus looks at them and goes, wow, that's amazing faith. It's cruel and unbiblical to point fingers at anyone and say, you don't have because you don't believe. That is not scriptural on any level. Having said that, a good reading of the New Testament will also confirm to us the balance of that is that faith, though, does open doors to things that otherwise would not be available. And so when we talk about faith and we approach this topic, we've got to balance it out. And I don't, by balance, I don't mean, you know, be radically in love with God and, oh, but tame it down because of, you know, ah, not like that. What I mean is biblically we need to be balanced, okay? So by no means at all in any of the, the, the stuff I'm going to say today or in the coming weeks, don't let anyone plant a thought in your head that what I'm saying is you don't have because you don't believe. I'm not saying that unless the Spirit of God is saying that to you for your particular situation. Because every particular situation is different. Jesus says to him, maybe, maybe it's you that's stopping the breakthrough in this situation. Maybe it's you. And maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. All right? 
doesn't matter which way we look at it, we can't avoid the fact that faith is a powerful, powerful thing. If you look at the Bible, Matthew 13, 58, Jesus goes to his own hometown. The Bible says that he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, with all the power of heaven. It doesn't say he didn't want to do any works because of their unbelief. Their unbelief didn't change who he was or what he wanted to do. Their unbelief didn't change his heart. Their unbelief didn't change his desire. Their unbelief didn't change what his will was. His will was to go into that place and to heal people. That was his heart's desire, his will. But the Bible says because of their unbelief, it puts up this barrier and he was unable, the Son of God was unable to do stuff because of their unbelief. So unbelief is powerful. It's a force. It stops God from achieving what he wants to achieve in your life, in my life, and even biblically in a whole generation. It doesn't stop him from achieving what he wants to achieve. He'll get there in the end. God will do what he wants to do. He may take a lot longer. He may even bypass you. He may call another generation or another person, but God will do what God wants to do. In the biggest scheme of life, the will of God will come to pass. That's the way it happens. Even if for 40 years you wander in a desert and he waits for your children to grow up. I've said before, I don't believe I was meant to be doing this. I believe that somebody else in my family was meant to be doing this. But they didn't. And so God was patient and waited and here I am. Here I am. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. So Matthew 13, we see the extremities of unbelief. Unbelief stops God. And in Matthew 9, verse 29 to 30, some blind people come up, he touches their eyes and he says, according to your faith, let it be for you. So again, we have these two extremes, unbelief stopping God completely. And then we have this other extreme where we have stories in the New Testament where according to your faith, let it be. All things are possible. It says in Mark, all things are possible to those who believe. So we go from, from this realm of without faith, it's impossible to with faith, all things are possible. And there's this scale between the impossible and the possible. And each of us are somewhere along that journey. None of us have made it. My shadow's not healing the sick yet. I'm still on the journey. But somewhere between possible and impossible is where we exist. And how do we move along that scale? We move along that scale by developing this thing the Bible calls faith. By developing this thing that the Bible calls faith. Jesus' reaction every time he came up against unbelief shows us again, reinforces to us that faith is an important and a powerful thing. When Jesus would come up against unbelief, he would say things like, oh, faithless generation. And you know what? I don't believe he was looking at the gun, you faithless generation. You can hear the weeping, the cry in his spirit, oh, faithless generation, how much longer will I put up with you until you get it, until you start to believe? until you start to trust me, until you start to listen to me, until you start doing what I'm asking. Can't you see the odd person that does what I ask? Look how it turns out for them. It's a wonderful testimony. It's great. It's good. But you're over here and you still won't trust me. And I've given you all these examples in the Bible and in people that you know and different things. And When will you trust me? It's this pleading of compassion from the heart of a father to his kids, 
please trust me. When I have children and I get the barbecue out and I turn on that barbecue, that hot plate gets pretty hot. And I'm saying to my kids, don't touch the hot plate. Don't touch the hot plate. Don't touch the hot plate. And when they walk up and they put their hands on the hot plate and it burns, I'm not going, I told you. I'm going, now do you understand why Daddy said don't touch the hot plate? I'm telling you because I really care for you. I want the best for you. And the way that this scenario can be the best is if you don't put your hands on the hot plate. And that's Jesus going to the the, the generations of people that he speaks to and ministers to. I want you to see that faith. I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith. I want you to listen to me in your situation, in your circumstance, because if you'll have faith, all things become possible. If you don't trust me and you don't have faith, you're living in the realm of impossible. And there's this progression that God expects of us that as believers, we would be marching towards the impossible. God expects that each of us in our relationship with him, if you have a relationship with Jesus... It should be living and active, not stagnant. It's like a flowing river. It's not a puddle that eventually gets filled with algae and stagnant and goes nowhere. It's a raging river. And when we get into that relationship with God, it should be taking us somewhere. Somewhere good. Somewhere great. Not necessarily always easy, but the end result is great. And that's what our relationship with God is like. And that river is flowing in a direction. And impossible is over here. And when we get saved, we jump in that river. And that river's flowing 100 miles an hour down towards this destination called possible. And we want to stay in that river and get dragged along to the realm of possible. We don't want to jump out and go, no, no, I'm I'm happy I'm wet and I'm just going to stay there. Thank you, Jesus, you've washed me clean and I'll just stay where I am, nice and wet and clean. And he's going, no, no. We talked last week about the difference between flying business class and flying economy. Yes, you'll get to the same destination at the same time. Yes, we're all going to heaven, but man, the journey is so much better in business. And faith is about flying business class. All those little surprises that I didn't know existed up there the chocolates, the drinks, the pats on the back, the constant attention, all these things I didn't know I was going to get. I didn't even know existed until I got bumped up to business class and all of a sudden I saw all these things that I hadn't seen before. And that's what faith is about, taking us to that place where we begin to experience things in God. This comes alive. We start to join these guys in the journey. We join these guys in the story. It's not something we read about and go, well, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. I I can't relate to any of that. We should be able to relate to this stuff because it's part of our journey. And the connection point, the jumper leads, are this thing called faith, where we connect up to God who has all the power, and then we connect it to my battery that's flat. I get fired up. I get life. I get energy. We go places. That's faith. This is what God wants from us. So what exactly is faith? Let me tell you something. When you got out of bed this morning, how many people had breakfast? Who had breakfast this morning? Anyone? Most of us, okay. Um, anyone have toast? A couple of people. Anyone have cereal or porridge or something like that? Yep. Let me ask you a question. When you had your cereal this morning, <laughs> when you went to the cupboard and got that spoon out, 
Did you get out a lens and a microscope and examine that spoon just to make sure there were no amoebas or bacteria or anything on that spoon that's going to make you sick or give you diarrhea? Did anyone do that? No. Okay, what about when you poured the milk in your bowl? I know it says it's pasteurised and homogenised, but can you really trust the dairy? Did you get it out, put it into a little container, put it under a Bunsen burner, do all the, all the tests you can do just to make sure that what these guys are saying is right? Because they could be tucking a mickey your way. You don't know they're not. You don't know the guy that put that milk in that container. They could be lying to you. Did you do that? No? How stupid. What about those of you that had bread this morning? Do you know where that wheat came from? Were you there when they harvested that wheat? Are you sure it was even wheat? Are you sure the sugar content in that bread is exactly what it said on the packaging of the loaf? How do you know? Did you break it? You didn't do any of that. Wow, you people of great faith. That's amazing faith. When you came to church this morning, you jumped in your car. How many people jumped in their car, put the key in the ignition and just turned it? Who did that? You're telling me you didn't check the fuel lines just in case there was a leak or a crack or something and you get petrol low and you could blow up in the way here. You didn't check your fuel lines. You didn't um, check the, the points, take the distributor off and all that sort of stuff just to make sure that when you turn that key it's going to start. You didn't do any of that. Did you go around and check all of your tyres? Did you get a thing out and make sure they were in the exact tyre pressure? You guys are crazy. Or you've got incredible faith in the manufacturer of that vehicle. Yeah? Now, I'll tell you one thing I know you didn't do because I watched you when you came into church today. Not one of you walked up to your chair, got down, had a bit of a look, made sure the angles of the legs were right to hold the prescribed weight, put a couple of things on there just to make sure. Is this going to hold me? Hang on. Hang on. Can you come and sit here for a second? I just want to make sure it's going to hold my weight. And and then you sat down and went, ah. Not one of you did that. You must have incredible faith in the manufacturer of those chairs. You must have incredible faith. Faith is something we exercise all day, every day. It's the same principle when it comes to Christian faith. It's the same principle when it comes to trusting God, to believing God. You have so far today exercised faith in Sanitarium, in Norco, in Mitsubishi. in progress chairs. You've exercised all kinds of faith today. Faith's not a difficult thing. And you've put your faith today in so many other things. In Christianity, we just alter the focus of that faith, but the faith itself operates the same way, with the same level of trust. When I go to the bus stop, and I wait for a bus and I sit there because I've got a timetable in front of me and that timetable says the bus will arrive at 4.30. So I sit there and I wait. And I'll get out my newspaper or whatever it is. I've got my iPod in there and rocking away to Kenny Rogers or whoever it is that you listen to. <laughs> and you know what? The clock might get to 4.33, 4.34. Do I jump up? Do I start yelling and screaming? Do I throw that timetable on the ground and say, this doesn't work? Do I start abusing people that are sitting next to me, getting angry at them? Do I start kicking the bench chair that I sat in, that I trusted because I didn't check, took my weight and I was just sitting there? Do I do that? Or do I go, you know what? Through my knowledge of the transport system and my experience with catching this bus, I'll sit here and I'll wait because I know this bus will come along. I know the bus will come along. 
So you have faith in Sanitarium and in the, the stainless steel spoon manufacturer and Norco. You have faith in all these things for two reasons. One, because of your knowledge of those companies and two, because of your experience with those products. Your knowledge and your experience gives you faith to the point where you don't even question it. You don't even question if that chair is going to hold you. You just sit in it. You don't even question if you're going to get sick off that spoon. You just get it out of that cupboard and start eating. Nom, 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 nom. You don't even question whether that milk's going to give you diarrhea. You just get it. And occasionally it does because it's off and it's past its date. But still, even then, even when it does that to you, you still took it in complete faith that it wouldn't do that. You understand what I'm saying? Faith is an easy thing to exercise with knowledge and experience. The thing is you're comfortable with your knowledge and experience in these other areas. Most of us are not comfortable in our knowledge and our experience yet of God. We're still on a journey. We're still learning. We're still learning. But each time we trust God, each time we believe God, we take God at his word to us. Now, I'm not saying, when I say take God at his word, I'm not saying, for example, if you are dying of cancer or something like that, that you just go by stripes, I'm healed, and you don't see a doctor and you don't take medication. And you, I'm not saying that. That to me is foolish unless you have a very, very, very clear personal spiritual word from the Lord himself to you into your spirit and you can stand on that then that's between you and God but you don't just pluck things out and go this you know but there are other things there that yeah we can I'm forgiven I believe that I'll pluck that out there and I'll apply that to myself and I will believe that and I will get to understand that. I'll read this book and I'll find out about my forgiveness and why have I got it. And, and, and the more knowledge I get about that forgiveness and the more I walk in that forgiveness and experience what it feels like to be forgiven, to not have that weight on me, to not lay my head down at night every night and wondering, oh God, do you really forget? No, I know you do. To not make a mistake and then have to prove to God over the next six weeks by not making that mistake again to prove to him that I am worthy to be forgiven no, no, I make the mistake, I say sorry. And, I can, and, and that comes through knowledge and experience of that truth. Knowledge and experience of exercising faith in that area. And that's how faith operates. The more knowledge we have, the more we understand and the more we experience it, before long it becomes natural. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about faith being a place of rest. It talks about the rest of faith. Faith in God should not be a striving and a struggling, like trying to make stuff happen, you know. I used to work for a mission agency. And, and, and you could always tell around outreach time when people needed money because this terminology would begin to be used, I'm just trying to believe God for my airfares. I'm trying to believe God for my airfares. Well, you do believe God or you don't. I'm not trying to have faith to be healed. I do believe it and I have faith or I don't. I'm on a journey. It's not something that I build up to. I've got 40% faith for healing and 60% not. I've got 75% faith for my finds, but 25% not. I believe or I don't believe. And there comes a shift, a moment, where revelation drops into me. And we'll talk about this in, in the next couple of weeks. And, and all of a sudden, faith rises up and I go, well, ever read a scripture a hundred times? You've read it a hundred times. And you've read it and you've read it. And then one day you read it and it's literally like it jumps out of the page and slaps you in the face. And all of a sudden it's like, Wow. It's like the page lights up and the words get big and all of a sudden that truth becomes so real to you. You stand on it, you believe it, you get great comfort from it. Faith builds in your heart to believe whatever that thing is for, whatever that thing is about. 
And all of a sudden, bang, you have great faith. You have faith to believe for this thing. See, we exercise faith every single day. Christian faith is this. It's a conviction of the truthfulness of God. That would be the best way to describe Christian faith. A conviction of the truthfulness of God. You have a conviction of the truthfulness of Mazda. You have a truthfulness of the conviction of Norco. And because of that, you can easily trust Norco, easily trust Mazda, easily trust the chair manufacturer. In the same way, we need to have a conviction of the truthfulness of God and get to that place. The goal of faith is to get to that place of rest in faith where we trust God. We're not striving. We're not trying to make things happen. We're not condemning ourselves if we don't believe or whatever. We are just on that journey going, Father, give me faith. Father, teach me. Father, speak to me. Father, show me. Open up my eyes. Let me understand. Because I want to go from this place called impossible to this place called possible. And the only way I can get there is through this vehicle that you call faith. Where heaven connects with earth. And I can bring down all the resources of heaven and see it applied into my generation, into my community, into my situations, into my circumstances. Connect those jumper leads up. God wants our faith to be a rest. A place where trusting God becomes as natural as trusting all those other things that we trust every single day without even thinking about it. It's just natural. That's the goal of our faith, to get to that place where we just naturally trust God for who he is and for what he's done and for what he says about us. We just trust God. It's natural. We're not striving. And that's the goal that God wants to get us. We are all somewhere in that stream between impossible and possible. And we'll get there. We'll get there by the grace of God. If we stay connected to God, we will get there. We will get there. And there's no condemnation for any stage of that river journey. There's no condemnation for anywhere that you may be along that journey. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, none whatsoever, for any reason. You are not condemned. And faith is not there to condemn you. It's to challenge us, to push us forward, and help us to lay hold of all the things that God laid a hold of us for. Faith doesn't manipulate God. Doesn't, it's not intimidating God. It's drawing on what heaven has for us and bringing it down here to earth. You know, there was this teaching went around a few years ago about demanding of God. You ever heard that teaching? I, I, I Googled this week again. I remember probably 10 years ago, there was all this teaching on demanding, make demands of God and so on. You know, it got me thinking. If I went to a restaurant with you and we sat down for a meal, What would you think of me if when the waiter walked over and said, can I take your order, please? I demand to have the butter chicken. I demand two butter naan. I demand a Coke. And I demand boiled rice for three people. I demand it. What would you think of me? What would you think of me? Apart from I won't go out with dinner with, with him again. No manners. My first question is, why do you feel like you have to speak like that to that person? Don't you trust that they'll bring you what you order? Don't you trust that when you place your order, they'll bring? You see, the only time I ever demand anything in life is when I don't believe I'm going to get it. Therefore, how can demanding be linked up with faith? How can demanding be linked up with faith? I don't demand anything of God. I only demand things that I don't expect to get. And if I'm not expecting to get it, I don't have faith. Faith is what moves God. 
faith is what gets God's attention. We see it time and time again in the New Testament. I'll just get the, the news out to come on back. We'll wrap it up. In verse 24, it's my favourite verse of this passage, right at the end. Verse 23, Jesus says to the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That's a big call, isn't it? All things are possible if we can believe. All things. There's no limitation there. It's important to realise that Jesus says all things are possible, by the way. He doesn't say all things will definitely happen. I know that that's a a truth that sometimes is hard to live with. And it it is. Sometimes things happen that aren't according to plan. Sometimes things happen that don't go according to the script. They don't pan out the way we want them to. And there's no scripture in the Bible anywhere that promises that every situation you go through will pan out perfectly. What it does promise is that God will take all things that happen and use them for his good. All things work together for the good of those that love God. The Bible does promise that. And so when we talk about faith, it says all things are possible. It doesn't guarantee all things will definitely happen. But let me tell you something. There's more chance of it happening if you're up here towards possible station than if you're way back here towards the impossible station. There's more chance of it happening up here if we believe than there is if we don't. So logic tells me if I want to see God move in my life, if I want to grow in, 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 in my knowledge and understanding of God, if I want to be the kind of person that's laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, if I want to be the kind of person that is calling out to God for my financial needs and he meets that, if I want to be the kind of person that is the husband that I dreamt about being, the father that I dreamt about being, the godly person that I dreamt about being, if I want to see any of that stuff happen, I want to be closer to possible than I am to impossible. And the only way to be closer to possible is to acknowledge the fact that I have a responsibility to build my faith. I have a responsibility, just like this man, blaming the other disciples. Well, if they had more faith, if the people in the church, if the pastors, if the leaders, if, the, if, if this movement, if, if you had more faith, hang on a second, hang on a second, that's a part of it. And your friends who pray for you daily are doing their best. They believe in God the best they can. But you know what? Ultimately, I have to take responsibility for my own life and my own faith. And that's what Jesus says to this man. He opens his eyes and he goes, you know what? I'll, let, I'll listen to you while you blame the disciples. I'll humor you a little bit while you stand there and listen to the scribes blaming God. I'll allow it to happen. Because God likes us to be honest. He loves us to be honest, actually. He doesn't want us being fake. He doesn't want us suppressing our feelings and emotions. He wants us to be real. Real. And that's what the church should be. The church should not be a masquerade party where we come into church, we put on our masks, and we're all happy and smiling. We all love Jesus. It's wonderful. And we fake it. Then we get out there in the car park and you're blueing with each other on your way home and you're weak as hell at home because you, you don't trust God here or you hate this or you got this anger issue and these de- de- you're depressed and, but you feel like you go to church I can't tell anyone I'm, I suffer with depression because I, cause you know if I do that I won't have the, this, that, they're all lies from the enemy and rubbish God wants us to be honest and real we should be the most honest and real in the presence of other believers than we are anywhere else I should feel more relaxed and honest and open in the presence of God and with his church than I should anywhere else unfortunately it's not always the case but that's the goal that's where we should be in a perfect church world 
And Jesus allowed people to be honest. And the father tells him the story and, you know, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. This is how long it's been going on. This is the impact, how I feel about it, how his mother feels about it. I'm angry at God. I'm angry at God. This is a, is a demon spirit and I came to your disciples. And why can't they set him free? I'm angry because I believe. I'm frustrated, God. And Jesus lets him pour his heart out. And in verse 23, Jesus says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Listen to the father's response in verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Something's broken. Something changed. Something changed. He was honest. He was real with God. And guess what? Jesus was honest and real back. He said, Mate, you've got to believe as well. You've got a part to play in this miracle. And in this situation, he says to the Father, you're actually the blockage. It's you. All things are possible if you can believe. We know that when Jesus made the statement back, you faithless generation, he was talking about the Father. Because just after this whole scenario, the disciples sit down with him and go, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, well, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. He didn't say to them, did you hit me? You faithless. They had faith. They had a level of faith. That wasn't the problem. Jesus was still developing prayer and fasting and these different disciplines in their life, but that was not the issue in this situation. The issue in this situation was the Father's lack of faith. And he cries. He cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And this is the point I want to make today. We're somewhere on this journey, all of us. This man finally got to the point of being real. And here's what he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What he was saying was this, Lord, I believe that all things are possible to them that believe. I believe that statement. In other words, Lord, I believe what this word says about me. I believe that this is correct. I believe that, God, you are right. I believe that what Jesus says is true. I believe everything that comes out of the mouth, the mind, and the heart of heaven is true. I believe what you're saying is true. Now help me believe what you're saying. Lord, I believe all things are possible to them that believe, but I'm suddenly realizing I don't believe. Whoops. Lord, help my unbelief. And he humbles himself before Jesus. So we don't have to go around chanting and raising scriptures and rah-rah, we're faithful. That's not real faith. What the Father wants is, is real faith is going, you know what, God, whatever situation I'm going through right now, what you say is more true than what I'm experiencing. What you say is right. And I'll acknowledge that this word is right, but you know what, I'll also acknowledge, help the areas where I don't believe it. I believe it's true because it came from you. But help me believe each promise. I believe, Darren Dennis, that you wouldn't lie to me. Help me believe what you've just said to me because I know you wouldn't lie so I know the problem's not with you it's with me so help me to believe what you just said and I believe that's what God wants from us we all love God and we all have faith we're going through stuff in our life but we're going forward and maybe today there are areas in your world where you can see that yes I believe God just like this father yes I believe that all things are possible 
to those who believe. But if I do a little bit of self-examination, be honest and humble enough to say, but I just don't have faith that you can heal me. Help me have faith you can heal me because I know you can. It says it. Help me have faith to believe you can turn my life around because that's what the book says, but I don't believe it. Help me to have faith that you can. It says in James that God resists who? The proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. It's beautiful in this book how many times people with tiny, tiny, tiny faith still receive when they were humble before God. This man got rebuked in one breath for his lack of faith. The next breath, he gets a glimpse to his own self and goes, God, you're right, I don't have faith. The very next breath, he's confessing to God, help my unbelief, I don't even have faith. And when he humbled himself and opened himself up like that, guess what? God came in and healed his son. God healed his son. God can even move when there's unbelief. If it's joined with humility to accept the fact that, you know what, I can't stay in this place of unbelief. I want to move forward. Martin Luther said this. He said, God our Father has made all things depend on faith. So that whoever has faith has everything and whoever does not have faith will have nothing. I don't know everything there is about faith and I'm on a journey and I'm discovering things and I'm trying to learn and I'm asking God to help me to trust him because there are a lot of areas where I know it's true in there I know it's true in there but I'm still struggling to pop that down into here and that's where faith dwells down in here let's all stand together if you want to you don't have to you don't have to seconds and if you believe that God has spoken anything to you today, I just want you to close your eyes, block the rest of us out and just just talk to God for a second. Just talk to God for a second. Maybe there's areas in your life where you believe but you need help with your unbelief. You know God's a big God, you know God can do everything. But maybe you struggle to believe God can do everything for you. talk to the Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. I thank you for the great compassion of Jesus. I thank you for the great example of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, that no matter where we are on that journey, that with humility and an open heart, Father, you can meet us anywhere. And Lord, I pray for each of us in this room, the situations that we may be facing, the things we're going through. And Father, I, I, I pray for each of us, myself included, Lord, as that Father cried out to you and said, Lord, we believe, but Father, help us in those areas of unbelief. Help us get that belief from our head into our heart, Father. Help the penny to drop, Lord. Help that revelation to come into our world and to shape us and to change our lives. Because Father, we believe that you can do all things. said. Amen. Well, 
That's not the end of church. Did you know that? You know, church doesn't finish. You know why? Because you are the church. Everywhere you go, you take the church. But this meeting is finished for this morning. Hang around. We've got some tea and coffee there. Let me encourage you. Grab someone you don't know. Say hello to somebody you've never spoken to before. Meet somebody that could be your new best friend for life. You never know. We're going to hang around up the front here. If anybody would like prayer for anything this morning, maybe the Lord's spoken to you or you're going through something, we'd love to pray with you. So we're going to hang around up the front here for a little bit and we're going to pray for people. But other than that, have a fantastic week and uh, we'll see you next week. And you visitors, back to your churches and have a great time.